I have teamed up with Mountain Ops and Black Rifle Coffee for the best hunt giveaway I have ever seen. One premium elk tag, one premium deer tag, and one lucky person. Yes, one lucky person gets both those tags. This hunt is with Wild Country Outfitters in a unit I hunt year after year in Utah. It is not only some of the best elk hunting in the state, but hunters take giant deer there year after year as well. How can one win this hunt, you may ask? It's as simple as going to mountainops.com hunt. If you make a purchase on the website, make sure you use code CAM for 20% off and free shipping. Keep hammering and may the odds be in your favor. One of the favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is the Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee is a dark roast called Midnight Rider. This elusive roast delivers a fruity aroma, bright acidity, and tastes notes of berry, cane sugar, and melon. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. As it's veteran owned and operated, they support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code KEEPHAMMERING to get America's coffee today. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. Um, this is the Keep Hammering Collective. I'm here with Dr. Rhonda Patrick. Man, I'm so excited that you're here. I can't believe you're here, actually. I'm. It's been so fun. Like, the day yesterday doing the, the archery. Lift learning, run shoot. The lift run shoot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the run, the hill hike, um, doing it in like the hot part of the day. Uh, that was, that was, it was intense, but awesome. And then coming back and lifting weights like heavier than I've ever done. Or <laughs> <laughs> my goal is to make it, mem- well, two things, make it memorable and push people beyond what they've normally done. That's, I just like. I like seeing people out of their quote comfort zone because I think people, they get used to doing a certain thing. They get to acting a certain way and people are used to that. But when everybody changes a little bit, when you're like in this new space where even if it's activity or it could be cognitive, but you're in this new area that you're not typically in, it's like, it kind of pulls back the curtain. And I love doing that. I love seeing what makes people tick and what they're capable of. And you like were awesome yesterday. Well, that's where it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you, like you said, when you kind of push past that and it's amazing how, like, if I, if I am traveling or something, you know, with my family or work routine, something takes me out of like, just even like we were talking about being sedentary. Like if you can't, like, if I can't do my normal, like exercise stuff, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm in this other routine and it's like, it feels like I've been doing it forever, even though it's only been, you know, like three or four days. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like I've been a sedentary person for my whole life. Right. And so it's like, if you don't keep pushing, like you, you can get comfortable yes. quick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like quick. Yeah. I mean, at least I can, maybe not you. <laughs> no, I can't. And if I miss a day, me and my boys, we talk about, you know, we feel skinny fat. So that's like the worst thing is to be skinny arms fat stomach. Yeah. <laughs> so one day after doing it, you could do it for years. And it seems like in one day you're like, it's all gone in your head anyway. And you're like, Oh God, I'm, 
you know, I'm skinny fat now, but it's, uh, that's uh, the worst kind of fat. So that you said fat around your stomach, it's called visceral fat. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a type of fat that, um, it's kind of deeper too, and it surrounds your organs mm -hmm. and it's different than this like subcutaneous fat, you know, us girls have, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I mean, it's, it, it, it's very much associated again with cancer mm -hmm. risk. It mm -hmm. increases like cytokines and, th and stuff, pro-inflammatory cytokines that are, that have been linked to cancer. So that visceral fat and heart disease and, you know, metabolic dysfunction mm -hmm. is, is the worst kind. Why is it that like, well, it's, it seems like it's a little bit different for men and women, but guys get that around their stomach first, you know, like the love handles type thing. And then women might get back of the arms, back of the legs. What, what determines where that fat, why are we get, getting, gaining fat there? I don't know the answer to that. I'm okay. sure someone does. I mean, there's definitely women get it like postmenopause there, uh -huh. right? So there's 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 got to be a hormonal thing yeah. going on. Um, but it's a good question. But you see guys like with you know their legs could have no fat on them, super skinny. Their arms, whatever. But it's up in the stomach. Yeah. And that's obviously, that's the, that's the bad part. <laughs> it is. It's not only nobody likes how it looks, but you, as you said, it like increases cancer risk and everything else. But, um, yeah. So yesterday it was cool. Cause you said you do, you lift weights with your dumbbells, eight pounds, right? I do. I usually do eight pounds. I have like a Peloton guided workout mm -hmm. that I do because, um, I've always been an endurance junkie and yeah. not like you, but like, yeah, you know, like I've, it's running, jumping rope, you mm -hmm. know, it, it, that's, those are sort of my jam, right? Yeah. Surfing, but the lifting weights, I've really, it's, I got really into it in mm -hmm. the last, I would say since last summer in particular, Your like arms I've known are, are, about it. Are I, I'm getting some tone, yes, right? Like, are. yeah, no, I mean, it's, and of course that's reinforcing, right? That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see results, you want to work harder. You yeah, see, yeah exactly. But you know, getting into the science of muscle mass mm -hmm. was really what convinced me. And there's two major signals for muscle mass, hmm. protein intake, amino acids mm -hmm. and mechanical work or forces, right? right? So both of those two things stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So mm -hmm. that is happening in skeletal muscle. Right. And um, both of those things, I really hadn't focused a lot on mm. in, in the past. And we're in control of both those. A lot of people talk about things that are out of their control, you know, but we can, we control how much protein we eat, how much resistance we're putting our body right. under. We do. And it's, you know, the, the people aren't so, Let's talk about protein intake yeah. because the R, so there's the RDA per, for protein intake. And this yep. had me, this was like, Recommended oh yeah. the daily allowance. Yep. 0 0.8 grams per kilogram body weight. I think that's something like 0 0.32 grams per pound. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, for the longest time it was like, oh, I think that's, you know, that's the, that's the RDA. Right. And um, and it wasn't until I had Stuart Phillips on, Dr. Stuart Phillips, who's um, an amazing, you know, research scientist. He he's very well respected in like the bodybuilding community, but also in the scientific community. Mm -hmm. And he has done studies as well as like others, where they're actually look. It's they're tr tracer studies. So so protein, unlike fat or unlike you know carbohydrates, which form glucose. You can store glucose, right? Glycogen mm -hmm. in your muscle or your right. liver. You can store 
fatty acids, right? Like those triglycerides, those get stored in adipose tissue. Like that, there's energy reserve. You can, yeah. you can have that stored. Protein, you have to replace. Like mm. amino acids, well, your muscle does serve as a reservoir for it, but you don't want to pull from that because then you're catabolic, right? right. Like, so that's yeah. not ideal. Yeah. Right. Whereas you want to pull, you want to get the, you know, the fat storage. Yes. So um, you have to replace those amino acids mm -hmm. and you need like protein to, I mean, protein is like building everything. Everything in your body is run by proteins, mm. which are made up of amino acids. Mm -hmm. You need to replace them. So uh, it's important to take to take in the protein. So anyways, there's, there's tracer studies that were done where um, the scientists at the time were trying to figure out, okay, well, how much protein do humans do we on average need to take in to, mm -hmm. you know, to prevent, to replace the losses, basically how much you lose each day. And so it was like these nitrogen balance studies. Right. And there was lots of flaws in those studies, mm. apparently, like the technology that was used, the methods, it's all about the sensitivity of your assay and what method you're doing, right? Right. And um, so they were, they were basically underestimating losses mm. of, of the nitrogen. And, um, and so like new studies have come out, and again, not just from Stu Phillips, but like others, where it's more like 1.2 grams per kilogram mm -hmm. body weight a day is the minimum to like not be catabolic. That's not right. the, that's not the optimum for uh, muscle hypertrophy, right? right? And for but just not being catabolic. Bodybuilders say, get big, eat big. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then those studies have been done where it's like, well, you know, if you start going up to like 1.6 2.2 grams mm -hmm. per kilogram body weight, then you're in, you know, particularly in combination with resistance training. So, you know, the, the, how much protein you need depends on a lot of factors, right. so your, your age for <clears> one. <throat> so age is important because as we get older, like 65 year olds, you know, and, and older, mm -hmm. um, your body isn't as sensitive to amino acids. So muscle protein synthesis isn't stimulated as much mm. as when you're younger. So right. at least at a higher dose. Right. So, um, so you need to take in more protein and you, it needs to be spread throughout the day. You're talking about when you're over 65? Mm -hmm. oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Well, even, you know, even um, there's been studies in younger people looking at, let's, you know, like, so four, taking four meals of 20 grams of protein each versus two meals of 40 grams of protein each. And the four of the 20 grams of protein each was better at stimulating muscle protein synthesis in young, mm. healthy, like trained men. Yeah. And I, again, that's also just because, and it, it's not like, okay, well, if you only do two, I mean, obviously you're gonna take in more, but um, right. it does seem that mm. more frequency right. is better. Now, most people just kind of aim for the day because at a certain point, like you gotta just like, do something right. It's like, yeah. okay, how much am I getting this day? Like that's right. the most important for most right. people. But I, but I think like that, like I'm now trying to spread it out more hmm. where like when I first wake up, it's, you know, that's when you're the most catabolic because you've been fasting all night yeah. and you need to replace that protein. And so like, if people are doing a longer fast, they have to be doing resistance training. Hmm. And if they're not resistance training, they're losing, they're losing muscle. Right. Like, and that's something that was sort of eye opening for me as well. Whereas like some of these people that are losing weight now, not like super obese people, like mm -hmm. they have a lot of fat to lose, Yeah. but like, let's, you know, say just maybe a little bit overweight. Mm -hmm. um, if they're not resistance training and they're calorically restricting, right? They're, they're eating fewer calories. Dieting. They're, they're dieting. 30% mm -hmm. of that weight loss can come from muscle. Muscle. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you're resistance training, you can really, 
you can damper that a lot. So even if you weren't getting enough protein and you were calorie restricted, but you were resistance yes. training, you're, you're not better, you're way better off. better off. Okay. Way better off. Yeah. Like so it's like not ideal, but still just the lifting the weight. The lifting the weight mm-hmm. stimulates muscle protein synthesis. Yeah. yeah. And those two together, of oh. course, are that's, that's, that's the secret a, sauce. Right? right. I mean, that's, but like muscle mass is so important. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wasn't thinking about how important it was mm. like for, um, you know, mortality, you know, basically you want to, you want to have more of that muscle mass because it decreases your frailty risk, your risk of falls. Mm-hmm. Your, I mean, it's, there's so many things where it's like, and you start to become like you, atrophy happens at a lot, like a faster rate right. once you hit a certain age, right. it's harder to gain muscle. What I mean, yeah, what, what I've tried to do and we kind of did the math yesterday cause you're in kilograms and you know, I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but just a rule of thumb for me has always been a gram of protein for a pound of body weight. So if I'm 170, I want to get 170 grams of protein in. And we did the math and it's like what you were talking about, it's way low, the RDA is way low, but what the studies in the, the from the doctors yeah. you mentioned, it's more in line with the gram per pound. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. so um, not having, so, so like I think it was like 0.32 grams per mm-hmm. pound is what the RDA is right, right now. So, so a third of what I would do. And now imagine like people that are athletes or, no, yeah. you know, exercising, maybe not even necessarily an athlete, but like a really, like they exercise a lot. Yeah. yeah. You're, you need more protein to oh, like man. repair muscle. Like and you, you know, that's. People eat way too many carbs, not nearly enough protein. And no. you said like the first, the first meal of the day is the key because you've been catabolic, you said. Mm-hmm. So that's where a lot of people have oatmeal and toast. Yeah, it's like the biggest no carb heavy yeah. meal of the morning when yeah. it should be protein. Yeah. Protein is like the first thing that you should eat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I, I, I now, I like, I've always liked eggs. So, like, eggs have always been my go to yeah. for breakfast. But, yeah. like, now it's, it's really like, I feel like it's so important. And again, like, skipping breakfast has become this thing. And, I'm partly responsible of that, not because I told people to skip breakfast, but because talking about like intermittent, intermittent fasting, fasting mm-hmm. and time-restricted eating where you're eating within a time window mm-hmm. so that you're having a period of repair. Like you're, you know, like when you're sleeping, you know, things are repairing. That's a repair process. Mm-hmm. And just like when you sleep, your brain shuts down, right? You're not like, you're not thinking about things. That's when your brain's repairing. If you were, if you're awake, and thinking and active, the repair is not happening. Right. So that's part of what, why sleep is so important. Right. Well, the same goes for digestion. Like if you're not, if that stuff is moving and you're digesting and all that, mm-hmm. like repair isn't happening, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the repair state. You know, so, there's some hardcore bodybuilders that will wake up in the middle of the night and eat. Wow. To get, to get like, the protein. Eat, eat a sandwich it, or eat a drink of protein drink like at two in the morning. What, what do you think that's doing? Because it's always like to gain muscle, you have to just eat like eating is almost as hard as training. Sometimes if you're saying I need to get some of those guys with 300 grams of protein, that is an effort. That's that's it. And to do it, they'll do like middle of the night stuff. So what is, what is that doing? Do you think? So, okay. Nuanced topic. I am not (laughs) the expert. I have talked to the experts. I've had two of them on pretty strong yesterday. (laughs) I've had two of them on my podcast. Brad Schoenfeld, Stuart Phillips, highly respected. Bodybuilding community respects them. Scientists respect them. Right. So, um, from my understanding, after talking to these, having these guys on my podcast, and talking to them, and just going over their data, like just interest, because I'm interested in my own. I'm like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Um, It's my understanding that. 
generally speaking, like obviously the most important is the daily protein, mm -hmm. right? So it used to be like, oh, you work out, then you have to take the protein right then. And um, is that like required? No, but I do think that because the half-life of protein is like three to five hours, mm -hmm. and if you're working out, you're using it, um, it makes sense to, to do it like right, like more frequently, like right after the, some so, guys lift and they say they like will drink a protein drink during, cause they say this is the best time to shuttle that protein into muscle. Yeah. Does that make any sense? So look, this is, well, I mean, if you're increasing like leucine transporter mm -hmm. expression, which is very possible that that, that um, resistance training does that because mm -hmm. the body adapts, right. And part of the way it adapts is by you know, doing things that are going to give it more amino acids. Mm. So it would make sense that that, you know, could, I haven't looked at this that is, specific this thing, is bro science. but I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, some, some of the, so, so there's been meta analysis that are, you know, this is like big analyses of multiple studies looking at this whole protein timing thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, the, you know, take home on that was no, the timing's not as important as we thought it was just get the protein for the day. Mm -hmm. Right. Caveat though, caveat, right can you squeeze a little bit more drops out of the wet cloth if right. you are, you know, doing it right after? Probably, mm -hmm. probably just knowing that, that, you know, the half-life of the protein and knowing um, that you're more responsive also, like if you're doing it more frequently. So they've, they've probably noticed it. They probably noticed mm -hmm. it affect their, their muscles, their muscle growth by doing more frequent meals. And so that's why they do them. And, At, and as we talked about that placebo effect, we mentioned like the, the housekeeper's study last night, I read it to you, but it might be the guys thinking this is helping. So then they're training maybe a little harder, you know, oh, they're absolutely. pushing a little harder. You push a little harder. Yeah. So for that sure. you think it's giving you a little edge cause you're taking the protein in. So I'm just going to do a few more of those reps where it's like you wouldn't have done otherwise. And those are the ones at the end. And so you're getting bigger. Because you're you're motivated. Yeah. 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 I mean, motivation, all that stuff makes a, makes a big difference. And, um, and so, yeah, so the, the two, the two things doing that are the protein and the mechanical stimulation. Um, and so if people are doing, I think going back to the, like the, the skipping breakfast where mm -hmm. it became like somehow easier for people to just skip breakfast and that's how they extended their fasting period. You yeah. know, for some reason it's like, right. well, maybe you can just shift breakfast over mm -hmm. <laughs> a little bit. So still eat the same amount of meals, right? You're still getting the protein because if you skip an entire meal, like you're skipping a lot of protein. Right. Yeah. And that's where it's like, oh, that's a problem. And then if you're not resistant training on top of that, now there have been studies on time restricted eating, which is a type of intermittent fasting. Yeah. If at least in women, if they resistance train, they're not losing muscle. Hmm. So, um, but you know, the, the, the skipping the meal is I think the, the problem where, you know, it's just, that became a thing where it's like, yeah, I only eat two meals a day. And yeah. so, well, how are you getting enough protein with two meals a day? And are you saturating it to a point where it's like your muscles only going to take up so much and then yeah. the rest you're just using as energy. Right. Right. So, yeah. I'll, how, how I do it. And I don't know, you can tell me if this makes sense. I pretty much eat I would say almost every hour of the day, not a lot, but I'm eating all the time, all the time, because I feel like I can tell if I'm going to go on a run and I, in my head, I'm thinking, no, I need to hydrate and I need to get fuel in. And I, I want my cells to be full. Like before I do a, like an endurance race or a hunt, I'm pounding calories and fluids. Cause I'm like, I want my, all my cells. And then my, in my head, I'm thinking, 
my body uses full cells. I want them full and um, fueled. So I do that. Then I go do the, whatever I'm doing, the training, and then I'm just back to eating nonstop. What about your magnesium? Do you? Uh, I take that take, in the morning. You take yeah. it in the morning. I think at night. No, and I take some at night too, for because I think it helps sleeping, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, for some people, I um, take a lot of pills, yeah. like a lot of supplements. It's like, <laughs> well, the reason I my ask, wife puts it together. So. Oh, that's nice. I do mm-hmm. that for my husband yeah. too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta take care of the people you love, right? <laughs> I know, I know. Usually, she's saying. I need to take a day off and don't run so far. So she's like trying to screw me over normally. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to make me weak is how I'm like, yeah, you're trying to bring me down, aren't you? She knows that's what motivates you. I'll show you. (laughs) I think she actually just cares. And I hate when people care about me. So I'm like trying to push them away. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to make me weak. So the magnesium is um, for endurance athletes. It's good that you take it, but it's like a, a, a problem because... Already, like at baseline, most people in the U.S. are not getting enough magnesium. Hmm. So the RDA for that is like 320 milligrams for women, 420 for men. Where did they get magnesium back in the day? Like before there Leafy was a green. pill? So, so magnesium is at the center of a chlorophyll molecule. Mm. Chlorophyll give plants their green color. Okay. So plants, green plants are really high in magnesium. magnesium right. Nobody eats green plants. No. Nobody eats them. Not in the U.S. No. Yeah. Burger King. I mean, I don't. is there anything green on the menu at Burger King? I like green jello. <laughs> this gelatin. <laughs> but yeah, so greens. Um, yeah. Almonds are high in it, nuts too. Uh, mm. But so that's that's the major dietary source of magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, supplementing also becomes important, particularly for people that are physically active. Because so half the country, 45 to 50% of the U.S. population doesn't meet that requirement. Mm. Women in particular don't. Okay. But um, you, you, you lose magnesium in sweat and you lose it in urine. Mm. And so people that are sweating, um, if they're physically active, using the sauna, endurance training, mm-hmm. they're losing a lot of magnesium. And so so athletes can require between 10 to 20% more than the RDA, depending on their their physical activity. activity yeah. And so um, if you're t- starting with someone, and why is that important? Because for performance, mm-hmm. I mean, it's important for a lot of things, like including cancer, because all your enzymes that repair DNA damage so that's the stuff that causes mutation. You probably think about it more like smoking causes it, UV radiation causes it, but just normal life causes it. Like metabolism causes just right. eating food. Like, yeah. you know, so, living. but we have, yeah, living. We have enzymes that repair that damage. Mm. Um, they need magnesium to function. So again, one of those things where, oh, you're not getting magnesium for the, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, you're always not getting enough where's the magnesium going to go? Is it going to go to these DNA repair enzymes to prevent cancer, which your body doesn't care about because that doesn't hit until what, fifth, sixth, seventh decade of life? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to go to making energy, which is what you need to survive now? Yeah. Because magnesium is essential to make and to utilize, use it and to make it. Hmm. ATP, it's the form of energy that's made in mitochondria inside of our cells that we, we need to live. Right. So it's one of those things where... Um, even you may not be getting enough for that as well. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, it's required to make heme, hmm. um, which is a component of hemoglobin, which transports oxygen from your lungs and takes it to your muscles when you're exercising. So, that's so like for endurance. For endurance. Yeah. And so I think, and again, I'm just, you know, knowing that half the country is not getting enough magnesium. Now yeah, maybe endurance huge. athletes are the ones that know about it. Or maybe they're not. <laughs> yeah. And maybe and not only that, they have they're supposed to be getting 
10 to 20% more than the RDA. Yeah, I've never heard that. I no, mean, it's, it's, no one talks about it. Right. No one right. talks about these, these are micronutrients, mm -hmm. right? These are essential vitamins and minerals we have to get from our diet. So magnesium is mm -hmm. a mineral, but it's not like, this isn't something, I mean, people always think of this stuff like they want to see, you know, that they're not getting scurvy or something on yeah. their gums, right? It's right. like, no, this is like stuff you can't see, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? This is stuff. Now with performance, you might notice the effect because your yeah. performance but might change. Most people don't notice you know, an elite athlete would notice 1% increase. Yeah. A regular person just going out for a three mile run, they're not going to notice a, a small incremental a small benefit. You know, right. I mean, you might feel better one day and like, oh, I, I that, felt, that yeah. felt good. But yeah, it's really hard to notice that, that small percentage. But if you do, and it's like, you're putting all the, to me, I just keep hearing about all these little things you can do that make big differences. You know, magnesium is one. We've talked about a lot of different things, resistance training. But if you're doing all that, holy cow. Right. You, you can change your life. You do everything, right. You try to do everything that you can. Mm -hmm. um, and then the supplementing with it, like there's, so, so people can supplement with magnesium. There's lots mm -hmm. of forms of it. There's electrolytes. I take the electrolyte, you know, which has magnesium in it. Electrolyte drink element yeah. is what I take. Yeah. But, um, there's tons of them out there, right? Yeah, I think Mountain Ops actually has one too that I Mountain Ops, that yeah. I take. Yeah, but yeah, that's I mean, magnesium. I know it's uh, it's important. I wonder how about grizzly meat? Do you think that's good for you? You had grizzly meat. I did. Can it you was that? it was definitely tasty. I mean, so that kind of brings us to the omega three world. Because, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I would be interested. There's a big to study, see. and did you just did right or know about? Well, yeah, I'm. Um, I've, so there's lots of omega-3 research going on. I'm now an, an associate research associate at the Fatty Acid Research Institute, which mm. is, it's a nonprofit, but they do a lot of fatty acid research, mostly omega-3. Okay. <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm involved in um, a couple of studies there, but the, the founder of that, Bill, Dr. Bill Harris, he's amazing. I've, I've had him on the podcast. He's really, he's been doing omega, I mean, he was like one of the pioneers in this, this research field. And he's developed something called the omega-3 index test, hmm. which is a more accurate long-term marker of omega-3. So it, you measure omega-3 in red blood cells, which stay around for about 121 days. Hmm. So it's like a long-term marker versus measuring it in your plasma phospholipids, which hmm. is like, what did you have for dinner a couple of days ago? Was <laughs> right. there fish in it? Okay. Read that. So okay. it's one of those things where it's like a little more reliable. Mm -hmm. Again, back to the tools that we're using to measure things, all that stuff matters, yeah, right? right? I'm excited to announce a partnership with Ice Barrel Cold Plunges. You guys know that I make it a daily ritual to jump into the ice bath before a long run just to get my head right. Just a little bump. And Ice Barrel has provided a cost-effective solution for your cold plunge needs. Ice baths are one of the fastest ways I reset my body because it releases all the endorphins in the most natural way. I like to suffer, and I can tell you, once you start using an ice barrel cold plunge, you'll like the cold-induced suffer as well. Cold therapy reduces inflammation and pain by constricting blood flow to muscles. By temporarily reducing nerve activity, cold therapy reduces swelling and muscle spasms. Get yours at icebarrel.com and use code CAM for $125 off. I think we all can agree, no one likes a plumber's crack. My suggestion, Groove Life belts and longer shirts. But not only does Groove Life have belts, they have silicone rings, watch bands, and wallets for everyday use. 
I've been using their belts for over a year now, and I can tell you they're easy to adjust and my crack is covered. Go to GrooveLife.com backslash cam and use code cam for 20% off your order. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. The Omega-3 Index, he's been, I mean, he's just published one phenomenal study after another using the Omega-3 Index and on large, large cohorts of people and has found that a higher Omega-3 Index, so this would be like 8%, mm-hmm. which is not what's in the U.S. So the average Omega-3 Index in the U.S. is like less than 5%. Hmm. 5% of um, you know, the fatty acids being omega-3. Is it in this, is this the same as just fish oil? Like you yes. remember back yeah. in the so day? Omega-3, people, yes. So omega-3, yeah. yes. So eating fish or taking, supplementing with fish oil, which mm-hmm. is, you can get a lot of omega-3s from doing that. Right. Um, versus the, you know, both are good, mm-hmm. you know, because that also there's other nutrients in fish as well and there's protein. Um, but yes, it is. So um, people, so we can get to that, which is like, how do you go from a 4% Right. Omega-3 index to an 8%. Mm-hmm. Well, those studies have been done and it takes about on average two grams of omega-3 a day supplementation to go from 4% to 8%. Mm-hmm. Now that's two grams less than what's being prescribed by doctors. Physicians prescribe omega pharmaceutical omega-3. It's called either Visipa or Leveza and they mm-hmm. prescribe it for high triglycerides. So my mom takes it. Like high blood pressure? Um, I don't know if it's prescribed for high blood pressure, but it's definitely for high triglyceri- triglycerides. And what's what's that? Just in um, layman's terms, tri- like high tri- triglycerides. Yeah, yeah. So that's when you're. That's like you know the it's it's a glycerol backbone with three fatty acids. So that's how we store fat. Mm. And when that's like circulating in your body, it's it's bad. Okay. Like it's a cardiovascular disease risk factor. Oh, I see. Okay. Like blood pressure is. By that's, the way, we yeah. should talk about that. I have a story. Okay. Um, <laughs> But anyways, the, the thing that's amazing with the omega-3 index is that people that have the 8% mm-hmm. omega-3 index are have a five-year increased life expectancy compared to people that have wow. 4%. Five, five years. Year. Think about five years of being around your loved ones, doing amazing things, enjoying life. Five years? Five years. And there's studies showing that they're like, you're much less likely to get Alzheimer's disease if you have a high omega-3 index. So the quality of life is better as well. Um, mm. And I was telling you this yesterday, and I like talking about it because it blows my mind every time. Yeah. The smoke. So they they took this cohort of people, and there were smokers in there. Mm-hmm. There were smokers, and there's non-smokers, and um, and they looked at their omega three index, and they found that the smokers that had a high omega three index of eight percent. So these are smokers that are like, I need the fish oil. I got to do. I'm smoking. You yeah. Know. These, <laughs> they had the same life expectancy as the non-smokers with the low omega-3 index. That is insane. That You could be somebody who's running every day but not getting enough fish oil, and then somebody who's you know smoking a pack of Marlboros and taking fish oil, and you're gonna live the same amount, roughly? I mean, of course, there's probably other things <laughs> that play as well, but, but I yeah, think I mean, theoretically, the, the yes. omega-3s are so important. I think that they are hugely important for the brain, for inflammation, and then for muscle, and this was like a big mm-hmm. thing too, because um, it's a really sort of growing field. There's a few people doing this research. One of them's talked to Chris McClory. I think I told you about him. Yeah. Um, and he's he's kind of a, jun- a junior researcher. Um, so he's kind of just started his lab. He trained with Stu Phillips. 
Um, I had him on the podcast like, uh, you know, like a month ago or so, and he was blowing my mind with some of his data. Now, look, there's, there's got to be more, you know, larger studies done. This stuff has to be replicated. Other people have replicated his work as well, but mm -hmm. like, you know, there's, you always need more evidence with that caveat. Um, omega-3s are protecting against disuse atrophy. Hmm. So, so, you know, I mean, there's, he's now done a few studies, him and others, where high dose omega-3, so that we're talking four to five grams a day. I wonder, like, what's a pill when you take, get a supplement and you take a pill? How much is that? It depends on the supplement. So a good one, you're going to get like 500 milligrams mm -hmm. of, you know, let's say, 350 of its DHA and then 150 of its, you know, um, EPA, mm -hmm. which are the two marine forms. Mm. ALA is the plant form really not. Doesn't do as no. much. We're yeah. talking about the, the marine forms. Right. Um, so I like, there's a really good um, fish oil brand called, it's, it's Metagenics and they make something called Omagenics and it's mm. a, it's a liquid. Oh. And you do like one teaspoon of that and that already gets you like above two grams. Hmm. So doing like two teaspoons, like one in the morning, one in the evening. I mean, then is you're that getting that, that eight percentage you're talking about or is that above that even? Oh, if you do, if you do, if you are doing more like four grams, that would be above that. Okay. But um, yeah. yeah, two grams would get you. So why, like I personally do take like experimentally high doses of omega-3, but not so much higher than again people are being prescribed yeah, four be grams careful because you know? with me i'm like if a little's good a lot's better on everything so be careful when you say <laughs> well that's the I'll one that thing whole bottle at, the, at one yeah, time the, what's the one thing <laughs> though that i like you know it's I, I i can't find evidence that too much omega-3 is really now i guess some people um it might have it might um affect arrhythmia mm -hmm. but it decreases stroke risk mm. So in people with cardiovascular risk factors, there's like some little sort of growing evidence. We don't quite understand it. More needs to be done that they, you know, they're getting, um, some people do get arrhythmia, but again, the stroke risk is lowered from mm -hmm. omega-3 and that's like undeniable. So that's the whole problem hmm. with arrhythmia is it increases stroke risk. So mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of like, well, you know, yeah. um, it's one of those things we don't understand, right? Understand. but it should be understand. investigated more. Yeah. 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 And yeah, like, I got that. Researchers part. don't understand. I yeah. mean, it's not that I don't understand. It's <laughs> that science hasn't figured it out yet. Right. Oh, I mean, I right. guess that that's what I should say. Yeah. Um, so with the omega-3 and the disuse atrophy, it's so, it's really interesting because you were asking about like, you know, you were talking about like, incre like increasing the amino acids in, in the muscle, mm -hmm. like transport or something. And um, the omega-3s are, are sensitizing muscle to amino acids. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're, they're taking amino acids and make, making a smaller protein dose seem bigger to mm -hmm. muscles, which- Does it seem like this could be, I mean, it seems so powerful. Is this like the one, if you're gonna do one thing, should this be yes. it? Yes. It seems crazy yes. how powerful yes, this is. It is. Yeah. It, it, this is why I joined that research institute as a I, I, because I believe in it so much. I think it is. I think omega three has the pharmacological profile, like it has the pharmacological um, potential, like to act like drugs, mm -hmm. but it's the safety profile of a nutrient. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So it's like I I think you know people are so interested in aging drugs and metformin and. This, this omega-3 stuff, yeah. I don't know, five-year increased life expectancy, it's preventing muscle disuse atrophy and it's sensitizing. Now that might not matter so much for the 
your your bros you were talking about that are yeah. taking in 300 <laughs> yeah. grams. They're they don't, like they're getting their protein, but it might matter when they're injured. Right, they're getting a surgery mm-hmm. and they can't lift. Yeah, train. They can't train mm-hmm. um, because that's where omega three shines hmm. because the disuse atrophy sets in, particularly when it's you're older, right? Because then you like you know, you're, it's so much more hard on the body. Like you're, yeah. you're not able to recover like a young p- person can, like a mm-hmm. young person can bounce back, but, um, the older people don't. Right. And then not only that omega three in the, the studies that were done, I should caveat this. The studies have been done in young people. They're going to be repeated in old people, but, um, because they have to be sure, like you can, it's not ethical because you knowing knowing how you know just being bedridden for you know a period of time is so devastating for an older yeah. person it's hard to like do those studies right so you have to like really know that this might protect them before mm-hmm. you do it so I, uh, most of the stuff's done in young people now there's other studies that have been done with like omega 3s in in combination with exercise in older people and it does seem to improve um, muscle mass and strength hmm. but of course in combination with with exercise yeah yeah so you know i think it's it's, it's really um, hugely important because there's a lot of people that don't take in a lot of protein we were just talking about. And yeah. then having that omega-3, now again, this is emerging data, but I think that it'll continue to emerge where it's, it's sensitizing the muscle to amino acids and it's doing it because your muscle cells, they're made of omega-3. And it, it, it's changing probably the way these omega-3s are transported. It's changing you know, a lot of things inside mm-hmm. of it. So um, I'm really excited about that that yeah. data because it's like, for one, you can you can be more strategic about like, oh, I'm going to get a surgery. And if you're already taking, you know, two grams of omega-3 a day, mm-hmm. yeah, it's built right. up, you're it's good. built up in your cells. By the way, that's another thing that was important that was learned in the studies. Mm-hmm. If you take someone that's naive and not taking omega-3 and they're low on it, it takes four weeks for it to build up in the muscle oh. tissue. Yeah. Four weeks. And so if you find a study. Start that protocol. Yeah. If you find yeah. a study that was done that didn't do the protocol, they did. Usually the way they do these studies is they like put a cast on someone and they immobilize them for a period right. of like two weeks it's or something. Atrophy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll do the, they, they give them the omega-3 at the same time they do that. Mm-hmm. That's not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. You have to preload them. Right. They need weeks. it to get in their muscle. That's the whole way it works. It's yeah. not. It's well, that's not. good to know for people with surgery coming up. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you're, you know. That's that disuse atrophy. So it cut it by like half mm-hmm. disuse atrophy. That was a lot. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, it's a. I mean, if you looked at like, so for me, what? How could I? If you look at my routine, now you saw part of it. You know, the yeah. front shoot, and you know, kind of what I eat, right? Um, what? Am I on the right path, or am I like? Because people. When I, when I had my full-time job for sure, and we'll talk, let's talk about sleep too, because it's like people like me who work, have goals they want to achieve, like being a, a bow hunter in the mountains that takes training, that takes time. And we have a family. So I would like scale back to get everything I needed to get done. I couldn't do it without sacrificing sleep. That's the only thing that I could mess around with was sleep. Everything else is like, no, I had to get my miles in. I had to see the family. I had to be at work all day. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to get eight hours of sleep. If I can get five, I got three more hours to, to put in work. And now tell me about sleep and, and just that in general routine, because I feel, to be honest, pretty dang good for being old as hell. I feel like the best I've ever felt at 55. You look pretty dang good too. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but 
Yeah. T- yeah. Give so, me your thoughts on well, that. Well, here, there's lots of there's lots of little nuance, yeah, right? Yeah. So I want to hear it. I mean, I, I would say first and foremost, sleep is hugely important for health, right? We know that. You obviously know that. Yes. Right. Um, and it's important for brain function, immune function, recovery, like everything, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also, you know, a genetic factor as well. So there are people that it's called a chronotype where, you know, there's the night owls, there's the people that don't sleep. They only sleep five hours a day and they feel great every day when they wake up. They yeah. don't feel tired. Right. There, there's individual variation in how much sleep everyone needs. Now, yes. there's been a whole team of scientists that have come together and they've said, okay, um, human adults need about seven hours of sleep a day mm-hmm. for optimal, you know, everything. And um, so they say eight hours because the reason they say eight is because an hour, like there's like the wake ups, the, you know, so, you, yeah, so basically bathroom, all that. Yeah. Bed, yeah. And then, so you, you shave off an hour, mm-hmm. but it's really, it's not the, it's the seven hours. That's the yeah. key. Right. So, um, and again, that's the average, but there are people that don't fall in that average, you mm-hmm. know, and this isn't everyone. So that's first and foremost important to keep mm-hmm. in mind, right? There is okay. individual variation. Then on, I think the, the next layer to that, which is, I think you said, and it's really important. You said, I got to get my miles in. Mm-hmm. Like that was first. Yeah. I got to get my miles in yeah. exercise. And that's, that's as much mental as physical for me. It's just like, I got to know I'm putting in the work. Yeah. <laughs> well, the exercise and it's, it's, it's the thing, like, I, I think that if you were going to, if there was one or the other, you had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. What am I going to pull from? What am I going to cut back on? It's, it's going to be the sleep because there's, I mean, I don't know that there's anything that's more powerful than exercise for improving, you know, health, for improving muscle health, bone health, you know, uh, your immune health, brain health, and also mood, you know, mm. you know, how you feel, yeah. um, which then again, if you feel good, you're motivated. If you're motivated, yeah you do stuff like you're, you're going to eat better. You're going to like all that stuff. Right. So, um, there have been, there have been like a a big study that was done that looked at sleep duration and all cause mortality. Again, Mm -hmm. cardiovascular does mortality plays a big role in that as well. But people that slept, it was like eight hours, seven, eight hours a day. They had the lowest all cause mortality compared to people that were getting, you know, five hours of sleep. Mm Um, something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but give or take, um, except when they looked at the people in that group that were getting the, let's just call it five hours, less sleep, Mm -hmm. they were physically active. Those people had the same mortality as the people that were just getting, you know, the eight hours, the eight hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, and this was like even people that were exercising, getting eight hours. So this isn't like, you know what I mean? If you want to optimize everything. So, so at the end of the day, Exercise seems to help correct some of the bad effects of sleep loss. And right. I've, I've measured this in myself and mm. there's studies on it mm-hmm. with glucose regulation because sleep is really important for glucose regulation right. and insulin sensitivity. Hmm. And when I was a new mother, I was getting no sleep right. and I was measuring my glucose with a continuous glucose monitor. I was you know, getting all that data and it was black and white, night and day difference. I mean, it was so obvious and so repeatable that you know, if I went and I was doing, I was, it was cause there's times when I, when I was a new mother, mother, when I was like, 
I can't even exercise. Like I couldn't, like, I just, it was like, you had no energy. You bit, you're exhausted. I had no energy. Yeah. And then it was, it was, yeah. And then it was like, I had to be with my son and mm-hmm. feeding. And like, it was just, that was, that was it. Yeah, that Nothing, takes all your focus. You'll do anything. Yeah. Like you, you sacrifice your health. You give your health to your child. It's right. like, here, suck it away from me. You know, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's Literally. what you do. Yeah. Literally. Um, but then I had that data and that was like, even if I'm like just dog tired, like mm-hmm. there's, and I, I, if I exercise, I'm back to me yeah, and not pre pre-diabetic, crazy, like, you know, Rhonda. And um, you know what, what's crazy is people like, they'll say, I'm not going to exercise because I didn't sleep well. That should, that's the, the blast, what they should do first. <laughs> yes. That's the opposite of what you should Absolute do. Absolute opposite. Yeah. If, in fact, the more tired you are, yeah. the more you should work out. In fact, when you're not tired, that's when you should not work out. It's right. like, it's actually the opposite. <laughs> yes. Um, it's and then when it gets you back to baseline. Baseline. Yeah. Or um, even above. See, that's, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, if it, you're above because of all the other benefits, right. you know, all the other different things you're doing for your, for your body, for your mind. So, yeah, I mean, just in general, if you're just talking about sleep and performance, you're back to baseline, but you, you've gained so much in other areas. So, yeah. So if there's one thing that you should do when you're tired, train, do every, no, yeah, exactly. Nothing else mm-hmm. like train, like do that. Like yeah. that's the thing. And that's what I learned from, from my data and I did it. You know, I was, I did my, my, I was on, on the bike and it was, (laughs) it was hard, but like, but then you feel great after. Right. So then, and then it's like, oh, I I was so tired and I felt like crap. And now I don't, (laughs) now I don't. What do you know? Do you know how, I mean, there's a few things like social media is so crazy, but people are so freaking protective of a couple weird things. Music is crazy is one of them. You put up some music. People oh, really? will be like, I hate that. That's not, <laughs> that's not real country. Anyways, like music is, people are very passionate. Gets about them fired up. <laughs> but sleep, they're so protective over their sleep. So if you're saying like, I didn't get, I got this much sleep and I'm fine. They will say why you're an idiot. Why, you know, you need to get more sleep. You're like, people. Ask them if they've had their chronotype measured. People are so protective <laughs> over laying no, in bed. No, sleep is important. Like, it, I know, yeah, sleep I know. is important. Like, it is the repair people time. People get crazy about it because like, they love to sleep. But I also think people like to argue and sound smart. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, there's, yeah. you know. Um, but, no, sleep is definitely important. But there's so many other things. Like, again, it's like everything's nuanced. There's mm-hmm. always, like, there's we're just learning things, right? Yeah, you know, sleep is important. But guess what? Oh, my gosh. Exercise, like all that it's you're 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 increasing threes. repair process that's omega what you're doing and important. omega-3s are important <laughs> you know yeah there's nuance to everything i in my weird dumb redneck mind it always be like i'm putting in these miles i'm sacrificing this is what's setting me apart nobody has a great story about how much sleep they got you know what i mean but they have stories about hey i trained my ass off and i did this 200 mile run because i outworked what i was doing before and i was capable of this yeah. How much sleep I got during that? Nobody gives a fuck about. So it's like, <laughs> what, what are we, you know, I'm trying to like do cool, sh- you know, amazing shit. And sleep is like, not that sexy. Do you sleep like on a, <laughs> like a hundred mile run that you like, how do you do no, that? On no. those, no, if you're trying to like, no, a hundred mile run, that's usually just a day. So you'll just push through, you know I mean? Even little kids, let's stay up all night. Right. They'll stay up all night. Right. Yeah. It's that second night. So like on a 200 mile run, you're into your second night. And that's where, 
that's where like Courtney, I don't know if you know her, Courtney DeWalter, that's where she kind of made famous the, uh, she was seen uh, hallucinating. So she, one of her famous ones, she had on a t-shirt, she, she saw a leopard in a hammock. That's the second night. The second night is when this crazy starts stuff starts happening with your brain. So like we both did, she ended up winning it. It was the first time, you know, she kind of came on the scene. Joe Rogan was following me as the Moab 240. So it's 240 miles. It took me 78 hours. So we're getting into three, three nights. I slept for, I would say two hours in those three days, you know, because you just have to, the clock never stops, but that's the first night you're fine. You're just tired, you know, whatever you're just, you're active. So you're not even that tired. You're just pushing. But the second night is where People really, that makes a difference between, are you going to win? Can you still perform? Are you, is your body going to break somehow, either mentally or physically? But that's where it gets into the hard one, this, the the second night of the two. Right. So, so that's I incredible. Don't, I don't know what's happening, but uh, all I know is I've seen people in these races and I've seen, you know, there's another type of race that's called a backyard ultra. It's like the last man standing. So what they do is four miles an hour. And then however long that takes you, you can rest if you get done in under an hour, but at the hour on the, on the, you know, exactly on the hour, you have to be at the starting line again, and then you run four more miles and then you go do that as long as you can. And so she won that she, one time she won it, she ran 283 miles, four miles at a time every hour. And to do that, you know, they might sleep. And she again made this famous, but it's like, if you sleep for a minute, it's like a control delete reset because I've been so exhausted. I remember this time too. I was with my brother. I slept. It felt like I slept forever. And I was like, I woke up and I'm like, how long was I asleep? And he's like a minute. And I felt fine. You're you reset. You can, you can't get away with that forever, but I've seen people do incredible things on one, two, five minutes of sleep. That's crazy. Do you, what would be happening? Do you know? I, you know, probably the stress hormones and stuff. I mean, also like, because depending on the time of day, like the, this is all on a clock, like your hormone production, neurotransmitter production. And all these people doing this are not normal, like yeah. the quote normal <laughs> no. people. But I don't, I've been fascinated about that control, delete, reset. Like what the fuck is happening? I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't tell you. <laughs> That's the first time I've even heard that. I mean, she woke up and felt like she got eight hours of sleep. You, um, oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Um, I could speculate, uh, but I have. I have no idea. In fact, I can't. Like my speculation is even just terrible, so I won't even do it. Yeah, but you're. <laughs> I mean, this is. You know, your your speculation is probably more accurate than most, but. Who knows? You know, I mean, it, it, like again, like again, I was saying, like if you get that, like because everything is on like a, a clock. Mm-hmm. a circadian clock, like, you know, just like we have our schedules that we do, right. You, you run at this time, yeah. you like all you, you have your business call, you, you know, like there's, we have schedules, like our body has a schedule mm-hmm. for everything. And, you know, so like if you're all of a sudden making that cortisol and having that cortisol awakening response that you usually you have like first thing in the morning, right? it's happening, even though you've gotten, you know, whatever a minute. minute of sleep <laughs> or, you know, and then it's like, okay, there's the awakening response, you know, but the interesting thing about this too is performance related. And mm-hmm. I've kind of recently been, been both cognitive and, and, you know, physical 
in sort of diving into this and yeah. trying to apply it to my life. And in fact, we went for a run. We went, we did the run hike. Um, what that was like four or five, wasn't it? Or yeah. Something like that. I, I tried to do it the hottest part of the day. So around four. It was around probably. four. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because between, so like one thirty in the afternoon to about five in the afternoon. So like is 1.30 considered late afternoon? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> is it? What's, not, no, probably not mid, late Mid, mid afternoon. Yeah, yeah, maybe three is late. Late. But, yeah. yeah, so 1.30. And then, so at 1.30, it's like muscle coordination's at its peak. Hmm. So your muscle, like um, 2.30, you start to have, um, you know, it, it's coordination. Oh, and then like some, something else with um, speed and endurance, um, cardiovascular endurance and muscle strength are like mm-hmm. strongest at like 4 or 5 p.m., mm. 5 p.m., hmm. Um, again, this is all on a, on a clock thing. So it's right. like, you know, training at that time kind of makes sense from a performance aspect. If you're yeah. looking, you know, for should a little, be at your best. yeah, should be at your best, but, um, also cognitive stuff. So like, no, we're talking and it's 10 30, you know, in the morning, no wonder I feel dumb. No, actually, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on what makes you feel smart. So, um, we most, again, on average, this is like not everyone. There's the night owls and you might be an outlier too, where you fall into a different category Mm -hmm. where, you know, you just don't fit the average. So that's important. Right. But on average, most people are, they're better at problem solving. They're better at learning things. So if you need to learn things at what time at around not 10 o'clock in the morning. So 10 is like the peak. So if like, you're like, I want to hear what Rhonda's saying, yeah. like right now you're like, you're actually better at learning that so problem solving, learning, um, you know, that, that sort of cognitive process is really good at 10 in the morning, hmm. but creativity, if you're wanting more free flow creativity, that's better late afternoon, early evening. Hmm. So that's like, and it's funny cause I try, I'm trying to organize my day more and you know, it's, it's, it always gets me. People always want to have zoom calls first thing in the morning. I'm like, yeah. that's my, that's my peak time. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to like do yeah, this. Waste like you're yeah, sucking yeah. up my like peak performance time right. when like the stuff I do, I need to problem solve. I need to figure things out. I need to like retain information. And so like, mm-hmm. that's the time I need. Whereas like, okay, let's have a meeting later in the day. Like, you know, for me, it's like, I'm already like, I, I did what I needed. So, um, or if like you want to be more creative and it's also interesting that all the creatives, like, you know, like you don't ever go to a comedy show with your no, coffee stay, in the it's morning. Late. It's always late. late it's late always late. Yeah. And it's like, well, that you say they write their, is it, they call it a bit. I don't know what to call yeah. it. They yeah. write them probably late, but also like they, they improv like hell when they're up on stage. I yeah. mean, it's like, it's like mm-hmm. a dialogue with the audience. Yeah, that's you know? like and 11 again, at night. Right. It's yeah. always late. That's mm-hmm. like the creative. And you always hear about like the artists, like Salvador Dali, Dali used to like put a spoon on his nose. I read mm. this. I mean, you never know. Right. But right. he um, would put a spoon on his nose. And the reason he, when he would, he would fall asleep with it and then it would wake him up when it would fall. And that was when he would like paint. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Where it's like that creative moment. I, I was going to ask you too, cause I was just thinking about these races. It's like the worst time of a race is two in the morning. It's like, you know, dark ass freaking middle of the night, but once that sun starts to pop or like 
first it gets a little gray, then the sun's, you are energized. Oh, really? That's it's the cortisol like, awakening response. If you're just, if you can make it till sunrise, because yeah. a lot of people, they, they struggle all night. But once that sun hits, oh man. So two things, it's interesting. One, so the sun, so bright light exposure is what activates the cortisol awakening Huberman response. talks about this nonstop. Right. And so <laughs> that is what's going to give you energy. Like the cortisol, you know, everyone's like, cortisol bad, cortisol bad. Mm -hmm. Yes, chronic cortisol is bad. But the cortisol awakening response is mm -hmm. something that's a, it's a part of our biological clock. And sunlight exposure is what really activates it. And so if you're getting that first thing in the morning, you're going to feel energized. Yeah. The more you're out and you the brighter are. the sun. Even if you run for two days. I mean, I don't out. know, but that's incredible. Yeah. Um, but the other thing you said that's interesting is 2 a.m. is the hardest. And mm -hmm. why that's interesting is because that is when your body temperature is at its lowest. Mm -hmm. And... I don't like, I know there's some, it, this isn't like hard science, it's more speculation. So there's like, there's researchers out there trying to figure out why muscle performance and everything, and you know, cardiovascular performance endurance is better, you know, at, at the five o'clock like time of day. And it's because your core body temperature is at its highest. highest. And so there's some theories that it affects, you know, muscle performance and it's, it's affecting endurance. It's mm -hmm. helping. And that being, um, you know, being at its coldest has the opposite effect. I don't know. I mean, it kind of was just interesting that you yeah, said no, that 2 a.m. It's 100 percent true. And then also you you realize and hunters know this, too, but it's coldest right before the sun comes up. So maybe it's because it's been dark the longest right before the sun comes up. So just in general, temperatures dropping. But you are you are noticeably colder, like say an hour before sunrise, mm -hmm. than you had been, and like the two in the morning. But that stretch right there is like miserable. And if you can make it through that, it feels like a complete like everything changes. Like you just flipped a switch. Sun's up. Now you're like fuck. I'm back. I'm back. Well, that's what every day is supposed to be like. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to go outside yeah. first thing in the morning. Right. And it's like, I'm back. This is the start of my clock. I mean, that's what it does. It resets the clock. Yeah. You know, it's important yeah. for. Um, I think people miss that a lot. Some either they're the at work already they're or they're not up yet. Or it's like. Oh, people don't go outside. But it's, if you're in the mountains and that sun pops, you're like, I'm back, bitches. Yeah. The difference between like when you're like, like, let's say camping or, mm -hmm. you know, you're somewhere you're out and. And you're, you're going, it's dark and you're, you probably get sleepier also. Like you're not staying up all night as much. It's like, you do get sleepier yeah, earlier. You don't right. have like artificial light well, waking to you do. up, right? You go to bed. No phones. No, yeah. yeah. And then, and then you wake up in the morning when the sun's out and, yeah. and you feel great That's and you start your day. It is. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's one of those things where like, what, you know, people want, like, how can you, people ask, like, how can I improve my sleep? Right. Mm -hmm. Like how, like I. My sleep is bad. Like, how, what can I do? And I think one of the most important things is early bright light exposure. Hmm. And, and from a circadian perspective, for multiple reasons, one is what we talked about. Like, it's resetting your clock so that your clock knows when it's to start to, you know, when it's time to start making melatonin, which is a hormone that helps you get sleepy. Um, you, your body's like, okay, this is sleep time. It's on a clock. If you don't have that anchor, then it's all wonky. Right. You know, and then you put the bright lights on at night, the blue lights, which then tell your brain, oh, it's still daytime. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just adds to it, right? To the challenge. But yeah. like the bright light also is, again, it's the energy, the cortisol awakening response. Um, you make serotonin also from the bright light exposure. Mm -hmm. And then you get motivated because you feel good. So okay. you're motivated, that right? And then like you're saying, you're outside, you, you got through that hard 
part, that 2 a.m. or whatever, where you're like, this yeah. is like so hard. The sun comes out and then all of a sudden you're making serotonin. You feel better, so you're motivated. And the motivation's like, I can do this, right? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, this is, I don't know if that's what's happening, but- I don't know. But the, the bright light does increase the serotonin, so. I know the very best endurance racers can, they, whether it's intentional or they're just mentally more disciplined, but they don't slow down at that midnight to four in the morning. They can, everybody else is getting colder. You're tired, obviously, you're slowing down. The best, according to be in there, the best, the best ever can push just like it's middle of the day. And <laughs> that is, it is so hard to do and it's amazing, but that's, that's why we're all different, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and speaking of that, how the hell did you get to be so smart? Like, were you always <laughs> like in school? What does, how do you get to what? be Dr. Rhonda Patrick? Um, Tell me about that journey. Well, I have sort of like, I started a bug club when I was in second grade. Second, okay. You know, so I've always sort of been interested in, in science, mm. you know, where. Uh, wait, a bug club? Yeah. Or book? Bug, bug, B-U-G bug. club. <laughs> okay. So we would go around and like collect bugs and like study oh. them. <laughs> Starting out with like glue, it was terrible, but we'd like glue around the bug so we trap it, you know, yeah. so it like couldn't move and get a magnifying Rough for glass. for the bugs, and... but kind of fun for you guys. <laughs> hey, it's no different than a, did you ever do like the micro or the uh, magnifying glass and just burn ants? I, I didn't burn them, but I did look at them. Because <laughs> oh, you could get that sun and like, I don't know why that was fun. I don't have a Y chromosome, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the difference. Yeah, that's a boy thing. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I was, you know, it's just kind of one of those funny things where I think in college, I thought I was going to be a marine biologist. I was a surfer in college. I taught yeah. surfing when but I was like, in college. What was high school like? So if you were bug club. High school, and- it was a track. Track? track. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I got into running mm-hmm. um, and a little bit into grunge music and like. You know, Nirvana. Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, Rage Against the Machine, yeah, Pearl yeah. Jam. Yeah. I'm mean, like, still love all that, you know? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Kurt um, Cobain. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I, when I started to really get into like I, David Attenborough um, documentaries so nature documentaries, that mm. was high school. And, um, and then it was like, oh, I want to go out and like, you know, go on a boat and like study mer- like the ocean. And it's like endless. It's like, there's like, it, you know, I just got really interested in the ocean. But as I started to like, so I went to UCSD, um, as I started to like take all these science classes, like it was like far removed from like, you're like doing lab work, you're in the lab. And then, and then I just wanted the challenge. It was Mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh, this is hard. So I just kind of kept, I I majored in chemistry, which Mm -hmm. is like one of the hardest, you know, and I was terrible. a bunch of, I was, I was, I don't know. It was, I barely, like, it was hard. Yeah. (laughs) We'll just say I was taking, you know, like physical chemistry was hard. I had to take like three um, chemistry classes and like three calculus classes to get into the, like the physical chemistry. And then it was like, it was just like, I don't even understand this stuff. (laughs) So at that point, like, and I had done interning in chemistry labs and I was like, I don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. (laughs) These people are nerds. Um, And what really got me into biology and aging was when I were I graduated from college and I knew I wanted to go to grad school, but um, I was like, I don't want to be a chemist anymore. This mm-hmm. is like boring. Like I just, it's not fun. Yeah. Um, I like I like life and like yeah. I want to apply it to myself. Kind of, you know, where it was mm-hmm. just like 
I was like synthesizing peptides and stuff and I just felt like I wasn't doing anything um, interesting to me. Yeah. So um, I started working at the Salk Institute and that I, I worked in an aging lab where we were looking at these little nematode worms and um, they have, I mean, I don't know how many genes they have, but they have very sim- like there's genes that are similar to humans. It's called homologous. And mm. so like they have an insulin-like receptor, a gene that's like an insulin-like receptor, IGF-1, like all this stuff, right? And, um, and they're really good for manipulating genetics to go, oh, look, this is what happens when you ma- manipulate genetics. Um, humans have genes like this, like maybe we could somehow learn something about mm-hmm. humans, right? And, and so I was doing these experiments where I was taking these worms and they live on average about two weeks, like 15 days. And I would change like one gene where it's like, okay, we're going to lower their insulin signaling pathway. Hmm. So their insulin and IGF-1, like that whole, ins- it's very tied to insulin. You, you knock it down. And these worms went from living 15 days to 30 days. And not only that, and I'm looking at this with my own eyes, I'm doing yeah, it. You know, it's right. like, not only were they living 30 days, when they were like, 20 days old, which they should have been long dead. They were moving around like a young worm. They were Whoa. like, cause they, they, you can, the way they, you put them on a little Petri dish with like E. coli, there's agar on it and E. coli bacteria, they mm. eat bacteria and, and they just kind of move around. You see them and as they start to age, they get slower and they like mm-hmm. eventually just don't move much and they're kind of just feeding. But these worms were like, bam, you know, it was like they were young. And at that moment I was like, we have insulin signaling pathway. Yeah, like this is, yeah. and this is incredible. Right. So um, that was kind of the start where I was like, I want to study. And then it kind of it morphed into like things that are like, I could apply like nutrition wise, like, mm-hmm. you know, like what can we do to change the way we age with our diet and our lifestyle? And so that that's kind of how it, it was just like a, one of those things where marine biology. So more into, then you like, quality of life, performance type thing. Is that what you're, that's what you enjoy most now? Um, I really, I'm super interested in still like aging. And when I say it's aging and like improving the way we age. Like anti-aging. So yes, performance. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, increasing, you know, our health span. So decreasing the risk of getting cancer, cardiovascular disease, Parkinson's disease, dementia, like not just living longer and not even necessarily having to live longer, but not living life disabled. Right. 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 Like enjoying life, like yeah. being young and performance. Like if you are, yeah, there's, all, there are trade, like you can do stuff that'll give you performance enhancements. That's not good for you. Right. Yeah. Like we can agree on that, Of course. but you can do things that are going to give you a performance enhancements that are good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things, if you're going to get, if you're going to, if you're being physically active and you're, that's, that's going to affect the way you age for mm-hmm. sure. It's going to change the tra- trajectory of your disease risk pattern. What, what do you think? Cause when I like, and people say this all the time, but back in the day, say 55 years old, which is what I am. 55 seemed old as hell. You'd see a 55 year old guy and he looked old. And now you see Joe's three months older than me. So he's God, he's going to be 56, like in two days. But now you see people in their fifties and they're like, what this guy's a freaking beast or this woman is you know running ultras and just crushing it how have we fought off the the aging process i mean what's been the biggest change do you think well i think first and foremost knowledge like Mm -hmm. we know a lot more now right Right. i mean so 
Um, like we know how important protein is. We know how important some of these vitamins and minerals and getting them. And we know how important it is to exercise and not like, smoke, not smoke. And, you know, there was, there's, there's a lot of things that we know, I think from just access to information mm -hmm. that has helped because, right. you know, when you have the information, then you can make the improvement, right? Mm -hmm. It's like not having the information that's yeah, like it's tough to know what to do. Thing. Yeah. You know, but on the other hand, it's like, well, obviously we also, we aren't dying from infectious diseases like we were I mean, mm -hmm. with antibiotics. I mean, there was a time when it was like, you know, something could be a death sentence, you know, that, that is just minor to us now. Yeah. It's I like mean, I, women died all the time in childbirth. childbirth. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's hardly ever happens now. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, I know I think about that all the time where it's like that, like being like getting pregnant was one of those things where it's probably like so exciting, but it was like scary. It's like, this is a, yeah, it could die. Cost. Like yeah. I could die. And mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, that's so advances in medicine, you know, obviously, you know, make a difference as well. Right. But, um, I, but then on the other hand, we do have a lot of, we have an obesity epidemic, mm -hmm. you know, and there's the over, I, I don't want to say overnutrition because it's, it's a little misleading. Cause like people that are obese are some of the most efficient and important like vitamins and minerals and, um, and fatty acids you know, cause they're, yes, they're getting a lot of calories, but they're getting empty calories. They're getting processed foods and, yeah. you know. Well that, you know, I played that clip. I was asking if you knew that woman from Australia, I think she is, but like she, there was a clip where it was talking about Putin and Russia, which obviously we're not going to, we don't want to be Russia, but the, his point was he outlaws GMO. Like it's all got to be organic or you're not growing it. And then he talks about the Western world us and that how we're overfed lazy over medicated and it's like like saying that we're weaker than the russians mm. you know what i mean so what's your thoughts on like gmo and a healthy diet and um and that i don't know i mean you mentioned obesity i, I remember taking my boys to the movie and we're standing in the line looking around and i they're young kids and it's like this is probably shitty parenting but i'd look around and i'd be like I said, you guys, see, take a look. They looked around. I said, this is average. We don't want to be average. Yeah. Average isn't good enough. Because if you look at the average, quote, American, doesn't look great. The average American's overweight. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, so I, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of new data that have come out now. And in fact, I'm about to cover this in a Q&A on Friday, um, where pros, the things that are in, all of our packaged foods and processed foods, uh, you know, like that. So you're talking about GMOs. It's a little different, but it, it's still, I think, very relevant because, you know, people are eating a lot of easy food, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you, yeah. and, and, and even something that you think is like a whole food, it's like, oh, like maybe Whole Foods made it and it's, you know, there's stuff in there, you know, we've got the the gums and this stuff that you can't pronounce, you know, and right. then there's the red number 40 and the yellow and that stuff is banned in Europe. Mm -hmm. And it, there's so much data now showing that it like exacerbates ADHD and may even play a role in causing, or, you know, especially with a unlocking a genetic potential there, mm -hmm. um, with in kids. And so like some kids will eat like this, all the candies that are like brightly colored with all this junk. Yeah. And it's, it's just horrible for them on top of the sugar that's in it, but yeah. we're talking about the artificial color. Um, so I think there's a lot of stuff that, um, we haven't understood and, you know, f 
everything takes so long. Eventually, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where then data catches up. And so now we're learning, oh, the things that are like part of the processing process that make it more stable. You know, we have the nitrites and the nitrites are now linked to uh, colon cancer mm-hmm. and you know, they're considered a carcinogen and it's like, well, do you have to put a nitrite in your lunch meat? Can you not do that? You cannot do that. Right. Right. So there's other salt and others. I mean, like there's other ways of doing it. So, um, I do think there's, you know, and then there's the, the glyphosate, right. And that again is, um, there can be fear mongering, but I think there's now data coming out where it's like, oh, they're just dumping this stuff on like oats you know, and, and then you're, you're just getting tons and tons of this glyphosate from oats because they're wanting to mass produce it. And, you know, so it's, why, why would they be putting that on oats? It just helps production. Oh, because, um, they're, they're giving, they're, they're basically, they're genetically engineering the oats to be resistant to, um, the pesticides that they're putting on so that it kills off all the insects and stuff so they can mm-hmm. grow more. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they're, there are tons of glyphosate, which is a pesticide, like it's Roundup, right? Yeah. In oats, because the oats have been GMO'd in a way. So I don't know that it's the GMO, like the fact that you're like you can like you can put, um, you can make you can make something GMO, like GMO it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Like you can you know make, let's say a tomato make more lycopene, which is very beneficial. Like, I, so I don't know that it's the the GMO exactly that's bad from the oh it's so much as that they gave it a gene that now makes it they can dump tons of pesticide on it oh, and see. the pesticide you're getting so like you couldn't like if they didn't have those genes like the, the pesticide at the concentrations they use because it's like oh now we can really wipe out all the, the, the pests right yeah. all the insects and really grow yeah. um at a lower dose if they didn't have those genes the oats the like the oat wouldn't you know grow right, right. like you wouldn't have any of it growing, so the wheat, the whatever, you know, whatever we're talking it's about. It's a money-making so thing. It's a money-making for, thing, yeah. For the people that originated this process, it's like we can make more and sell more or make more money. Yeah, and there's also, I guess, a demand thing too, right, where mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, I don't know how to solve the, you know, we got more, like the people and how to supply all the oats for them. Like, I don't, I don't know what's in control there, but money's always in control. The yeah. money's always in the equation. It's always part of it, right? It's. Yeah. I don't want to say it's the only thing, but you yeah. know. Um, so the so I mean the 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 thing with the GMO is like it's always for me. I, it's not like a black and white thing. Yeah. Everyone's always it's got to be yeah. all GMOs are bad. One, one or the other. But like I would love to. I mean, can we start making microalgae make more omega three so that we can just harvest that microalgae easy without like having to kill all the fish. And then right. maybe, maybe the, everything would be more natural, like in a way, you know what I mean? We're yeah, not it's like not over, black and white always. It's not yeah. black and white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the GMOs I think can be, you know, harmful, especially in the context when you're making a gene that's like making them resistance to pesticides. So you can dump more pesticides on the, the, the food, <laughs> on the crop. Yeah. And then, t- and then you're, you're eating these, this bowl of oatmeal that you're giving to your child. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, well, children are always more sensitive, right? Like yeah. they don't like the the blood brain barrier. We were talking about this a little bit. I think I was talking about this um, with Jen and John yesterday about yeah. blood brain barrier development. It's like it's thought it happens, you know, like you're getting a more developed one around like I don't know age four maybe. Yeah. But I mean, even even if it's not, even if it is developed, like you know, there's still like their endocrine system. Like this is development. When you like start perturbing things in that sensitive period, like. Like there's more consequences, right. right? Than an adult. An adult, it's like, oh, maybe cancer risk is raised. Like, 
whatever, how many years later, but yeah, like, but you're developed already. You're yeah. developed. And yeah. I think, I think I remember I talked to Jen about this at bear camp, but they changed the vaccine schedule or whatever changed in like the nineties for the kids. And that's what she's focused on too, because it's like, it, it did from the studies that she was talking about and shared with me that changed in the nineties. And since then the vaccines have been it's different than when we were kids. It is. Um, and I, you know, as a parent, so, you know, I've always been, I call myself a sort of cautious vaxxer. And uh -huh. I mean, I guess it's with respect to the, the doing the childhood vaccines, you know, like I do think that vaccines are, are important. I mean, like smallpox was eliminated and children do get infectious diseases and they can be devastating for a young child if they're mm -hmm. spreading, you know. With that said, um, I think there's a, some, a more cautious way of, of giving, you know, children vaccines. And so what I decided to do was I was, well, what are all these new vaccines? What do I, what do I really need? Am I going to put my newborn baby, some mothers like put their six month old infant or four month old infant in, in a daycare. Yeah. And at that point, like, you know, if that infant gets pertussis, I mean, it could be deadly, mm -hmm. you know? So I didn't have to make a really hard decision of giving right. my really, really young baby an important vaccine to prevent them from getting pertussis and like potentially dying, right? Right. So I think there's a little individual variation there, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's circumstance is different. So yeah. I didn't have, I, I, you know, didn't have to put my child in daycare. So, um, you know, I decided I was going to wait until the blood brain barrier was more developed mm -hmm. because, you know, immune things do cross over the brain and, you know, there's, there's immune responses that could affect brain development. Yeah. And, and again, everyone's different. It doesn't always happen, yeah. but like as a mother, you're like, well, if it could happen, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. I don't want that yeah. risk. Protective, like, yeah, yeah, you know, you're protective. Um, and so I, I did just the, the vaccines that were required for, for school in the state of California. And I did them in singles. Mm. Um, and what does that mean? It means like, you're not mixing, you're not doing the MMR, which already has three, <laughs> you're mm -hmm. not doing that combined with the Tdap, which also is three, and yeah, then the varicella. What does that three mean? I don't know what that I mean, means. I mean, so there's so like you're, so for example, you've got the measles, the mumps, and rubella yeah. in the MMR. So there's mm -hmm. three different. Um, I mean, it's it's antigens that you're you know you're basically it's not just one virus that you're trying to protect against, right? There's three, but. So I, you know, I did each one. It was like, okay, MMR, and then it was, mm -hmm. you know, the DTAP, and then it was, you know, varicella, which is the chicken pox, and then, you know, hep B. So I didn't combine them. And it's weird because doctors, um, they sort of do, they, they, they say, oh, just come in and you'll get the MMR. They'll get this, they'll, all three of them, yeah. you know, all three different vaccines, not, I mean, so we're talking many different yeah. combinations of right. stuff to elicit an immune response, right? Yeah. Um, because they think it's easier on the parent to not have to go multiple times. And mm. they think it's easier on the child because they're not getting multiple shots. And I don't know, does three shots make more difference than one? I don't think so. Like, yeah. I think any parent to, it's not, and not, it's not necessarily going to do it. It's just, I was cautious because it was like, yeah. I, immune responses do you know, they can be strong. Yeah. And the more you're eliciting it, the stronger the response. Right. And so I, th I think that's a good point, though, that, that you looked at it objectively and you made a decision based on risk factors for your child and your situation. That's the biggest thing. You did also mention that California required this and that. That is the biggest thing I think people had with the COVID vaccine is like they weren't given the, the opportunity to make a choice. 
when people are requiring it to do have a job to do different things that's you know i like that you made that decision you looked at it and say oh well, my my child my son isn't going to be in daycare at four months old so i don't need to do that that's where people struggled with it was required for certain things when i'm talking about COVID specifically that that was the hard part for being that was a big it was the mandates. I was never for the mandates. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the, it was one of the biggest mistakes I think that our government yeah. um, made was was trying to mandate a medical intervention mm-hmm. like that. That is something I think lessons learned. Like if we look back, lessons learned. That's a big one. Like yeah. mandating a medical intervention like that. Like that's that's choice. Mm-hmm. That is choice, right? right? And it's a lot of like people you are made angry. The choice. I made the choice, right? Yeah. And if you don't want to, you know, I mean, some people decide to homeschool. Like mm-hmm. I know, I know parents that, like their children have like severe like anaphylactic allergies, and they they had a bad reaction to one vaccine, and they're like, I'm not doing it. So they they homeschool. They have like a pod. Mm-hmm. Um, but like going back to the COVID vaccine, since you brought it up. <laughs> um, my my opinion like on the vaccine itself has evolved over time mm-hmm. it's changed and i think the last time i spoke out about this publicly was during the delta wave so this was before omicron this was like august september of 2021 mm-hmm. yeah so a few years ago yes um things were very different and in in my opinion at that time you know even even though the delta variant was still um the vaccines were were not as robust at preventing transmission as like the the original you know variant or even the beta variant where it's yeah. like 95%. It was down to like 70, 60%, maybe 40. Mm-hmm. Um I it was my personal experience also that mm-hmm. I think contributed where you know it's the the delta variant like I knew people that died from it like they got from covid right you know where it's like my own personal experience was such that i was vaccinated my family like so much of my family my friends like nobody had a bad reaction right and it you know personal experience does mean a lot hey doctors um, are humans you know, you know yeah so I mean, so for me it. it was kind of like well not only my personal experience but like if you looked at all the preprint data like mm-hmm. this is we were in informational shortage at the time of course um you know and i think the thing that I got wrong and, and looking back on it really uh, was myocarditis risk. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it wasn't that necessarily I got it wrong. It was actually reading data yeah. that was preprint data. So the data was saying that, you know, even young men had a higher risk of myocarditis, inflammation of the heart from from um, SARS-CoV-2 virus. And again, mm-hmm. this was the Delta at the time yeah. um, versus the the mRNA vaccines. Um, and so it's like, well, you only can talk about the data. Now, if I had had personal experience, yeah. if I knew someone mm-hmm. that had gotten myocarditis from the vaccines, that probably would have changed my opinion, even even reading that data. Do you right? think that the data you're reading was, uh, was I don't doctored or, or manipulated a little bit? Were they, were the people sharing that data, were they excluding I have no, I'll tell you this. It was coming so fast. Yeah. There's so many ways there's, we, we data is, there's so many ways to like make mistakes, Mm -hmm. like, and not intentionally too. Like it's so easy. It's so easy. And things were so stressed at the time and And things were coming so fast and it was evolving. And, you know, like Omicron came, you know, this was like late 2020, this was like December, 2021, right. As it was like turning 2022 and Omicron came that's kind of when everything changed for me in my perspective, mm. uh, because for one, Omicron, you know, the the virus itself had 
so many different mutations in the spike protein where, you know, the, the virus itself was more transmissible, but it also had mutations that made it bind. I mean, it was not getting deep into the lungs. And so people weren't getting as sick. They mm. weren't dying. Like the older people yeah. and stuff, they weren't yeah. dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's even true now, right? I mean, like COVID's like, does even anyone talk about it? Like, I don't like, you know, you know, we so had, we had this athlete here the other day who he said he was tested for COVID. He ran the hundred and he got third qualified for the world championship. So he's like, yeah, even COVID couldn't stop me. And I'm just like, COVID is fucking nothing. So it's right. Like, right so, now, right now it, right, it's not. It's, it's not right. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, so the Omicron itself to me was, was the vaccine. It was because mm. so many people got it mm. that we now had immunity and, you know, so fast forward, you know, 2023, now we've had, I've had time to read studies yeah. that are actually now not just preprints. Right. Okay. This is like peer reviewed, you know, and even now there's still conflict, oh, of course. but what changed it for me, you know, is, is reading a few studies where, um, it then became clear that, it, you know, like there was one study out of the UK where the myocarditis risk of younger people, so 40 years old and younger, was higher from from vaccines versus SARS-CoV-2. Right. And at that point, I was like, right. wow, like this, you know, like it, it's, first of all, the vaccines aren't stopping transmission. Like once mm-hmm. Omicron came, it was like transmission was, it wasn't, it was like, what's the point? Yeah. It's not stopping transmission. Right. You know, back when I talked about it, like there was, it was like a, you know, it's kind of like, again, the the benefit risk where I was like, you know, it's, it's still stopping transmission, like maybe, um, minimal you know, risk. it's minimal yeah. risk and the information, like I didn't, mm-hmm. I just didn't, I the understand. myocarditis thing, I just didn't, it wasn't there yet for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think people and could. And I changed my mind. Yeah. I changed my mind. I respect that. Anybody could da- respect you that. You know, I, well, that's kind of what you do when data comes out, you know, it's like, it's, it's a, you, you, sometimes like things change and, um, I don't know that every scientists feels that way. I think some are still, will find data that says, no, no, it's higher from SARS-CoV-2, but then you go, well, is it Omicron? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's, you know, important, right? Are we talking about like a virus that is long gone that isn't even the same virus anymore? Mm -hmm. Because that's the other thing, right? Where it's like, that was different. Like they were different, you know, viruses. Yeah. So um, I do think you know, like my, my whole family got vaccines. My parents have got it multiple. Like I, I, I st- now I'm sort of like, I don't know about the boosters because now they changed it. Mm-hmm. It's like this bivalent thing. And there was like, there's at this point, I just feel like, um, I, I, I don't know about the risk with multiple, like doing these, doing these MRNA shots. And it, it's, it's multiple times that when I talked about it, it was like, okay, we're gonna get this one thing, Yeah. you know? And I think I've just, it's, it's just changed to, yeah. to a point where it's like, okay, now Omicron, all the subvariants of it, whichever one we're on, I don't even know. Yeah, um, either. It's not, I'm like, go to, I have like physician friends. They're like, mm. yeah, no, this isn't, a, like they're not coming in the hospital anymore. They're not yeah. like, you know, this isn't a thing like it was when it right. was a Delta. It's totally right. not overwhelming the system. This isn't, you know, I don't even know, maybe some immunocompromised people. I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they should just not be around people, you know. Yeah. But that's the other lesson learned, right? Shutdowns were worse than, than COVID. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I think anybody could respect a change in, in opinion or perspective given 
a changing data set. Well, and not only that, it's so hard to, t- I haven't talked about it um, because, and I'll get people just commenting on every post. Yeah. Um, it's not even related, just every post. I, I can't trust you. I can't trust And it's like, <laughs> why are you following me for one? Like, if you don't trust me, like I, yeah. like I, I really try, yeah. you know, I do care and I'm not like, it wasn't like an inauthentic, like I just want to. I think, you know, there were certain... You were genuine about your stance. There was. And there were things that I felt people were misrepresenting at the time based off of what they were saying. And one of one of them, the myocarditis risk, I was... I mean, it, it was like that That turned out to be true, in right. my opinion, now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think, I think looking back, it's like, well, we have a lot more information. Um, but people, I think people just have their own emotional responses. They've had their personal experiences. Yeah. If you've, ha- if you know someone that's had okay. a bad reaction, right. you're going to be like, you're a liar. Yeah. I like, and because that's strong, Definitely. that's strong, yeah. you know? And for me, it was the opposite. Like I knew a married couple where the husband got vaccinated, the wife didn't, and she died of the Delta, Man. you know? And it's like, that was strong for me. Oh, right. Yeah. You know? And then my uncle, it was, it was a he like it was on a like hospitalized ventilator. I mean, it was like multiple yeah. people like yeah, in, in my um, in-laws, like church, their pasture. I mean, it, like it like, was, again, they're all older personal. people, but like, yeah, yeah. The, the personal, I think we all have our, you know, and again, like I said, for me, like, I don't know as many people as perhaps you do, mm-hmm. but like no one was like, tell me about bad vaccine effects. It was like, oh yeah, I was tired for like a day. I was like, well, that's yeah. what vaccines do. I mean, right. But, um, so I do think that um, it should be talked about because apparently some universities still require mm-hmm. COVID vaccines. That seems which crazy. It is because that is the population of people that are most affected, at least with respect to myocarditis right. risk. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also the population that is least affected by COVID, which isn't the same COVID as it was when you know, it came from Wuhan, China. Like it's it's evolved in such a way now that is so much less virulent. Most people have some natural immunity now because we've all been exposed. Even people who think they haven't had COVID have been exposed yeah, to some yeah, low definitely. level. They have animal, like it, it's a different time. Like there's no, you know, and even at that, yeah. it shouldn't have been mandated. It no. shouldn't have been mandated. I mean, I had it a couple times and I, you know, just for me, I never ran less than 10 miles a day, no matter how sick I was. So it wasn't like, I wasn't even whatever, but where I really had an issue is, you know, you mentioned the college age kids. That's one thing. But then when they got down to what, six months old, you know, didn't they say that it's now six months old can get it and, or can, can get are eligible for the vaccine. I'm like, why, why are we doing this to, did it, did a kid under five ever even, was there ever a risk? I'm sure there's outliers, right? Yeah, But but most like, like when we got it, like, my son, it was like, he was kind of tired for one day. Yeah. And then it was like, right. He so, was like doing sport. I mean, it was like, he's not even sick. Yeah. Um, for me, it was kind of like, <clears throat> like a mild flu. It was yeah. kind of like, I just felt bad for a day. And then, <clears throat> you know, had a runny nose. <laughs> I think it's a big part too of when it's so nuanced like that. And there is so much, you know, it's who you're, what community you're part of, you know, if you're part of, a university type community or uh, the medical profession, it's a big difference for me in the redneck bow hunting community. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So you're kind of influenced by who you're around and the messages those people are receiving and you're talking about. And it's something so emotionally charged, you know, oh, yeah. it's like there was two camps well, and we were like the, the unvaccinated were the whatever the, the 
the scourge of the earth, you know, to some communities. It was emotionally charged to also because of the mandates. They should never have mandated yeah. it. But, yeah. you know, the thing, and I was talking about this with you earlier, is that, you know, I I think that some some more outrage, I, I personally think there's enough data and combined with circumstantial data. Um, so that makes me believe that this was, the SARS-CoV-2 was made in a lab. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, to some degree, like I get all the outrage for the vaccines. If you go on Twitter, like that's what you see. And again, yeah. I get comments about it's it, X, but sorry, X, that's right. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but like, if you read tweets, I mean, they're still called tweets. Right, yeah. If you read tweets, then, you know, you'll, you, 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 see, you, you read all that sort mm-hmm. of like backlash. And I feel like it's almost like it's been a distraction from like the real, like vaccines were made as a solution mm-hmm. to a big problem. Right. I think, um, you know, and it was one of the papers that I, it was from George Church, who was like probably one of the world's best geneticist, geneticists. He tweeted it back in like 2020 before mm-hmm. anyone was talking about lab leak. Okay. He tweeted this study, didn't say anything, anything about it, just tweeted a link. Mm-hmm. And if you clicked on the link, you read the paper and it was like all about how the possibility that this was actually, this originated from a lab and it was like mm-hmm. molecular evidence looking at these furon sites and how they like, you know, just without getting into all the details, like how it possibly could have been genetically like yeah. made, right? Um, and and it was at that point where I was reading that paper and then I started looking, I was like, oh, well, has this ever been found in other viruses? And lo and behold, I did find that naturally occurring, there was some other naturally occurring music mm-hmm. mutations in that spot that did, you know, but it was very rare and also just the fact that the other circumstantial data where you're like, oh, yeah. this came from like it, um, how, how far from the Wuhan, Wuhan Institute lab, of Biology, yeah. right? Like the, the wet lab was how far yeah. from it and all that. Well, you're going, hmm. hmm, maybe the fact that those, you know, so like- So w- what'd you think at first though? Cause people were saying that from the, you know, from the beginning, I think Trump said it was- I, I think even back in August of 2021, I was heavily for that it was made in the lab. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't think I ever people, talked about it. Some but, people still, I mean, educated people still would say that's not true. Um, and that the thing that's scary is, I'm a, scientists always disagree. Like, this isn't new, right? Yeah. I mean, there's always disagreement. Right. Um, but I I think that there that this needs to like be banned, mm-hmm. honestly. What be, be banned? gain of function research where, where basically we are humans and even in the, in the, in the name of vaccines, Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, well, we're manipulating these viruses and we're making them so they can infect humans. And we're going to study so that we can make a vaccine in case it ever happens. Oh, right. But here's the, here's the reality is that humans are, as we were talking about, they're sloppy. Yeah. Like just because someone has a PhD and is a scientist doesn't mean they're not going to fuck something up. Yeah. Yeah. Because true. let me tell you, it happens all the time. I've done it many times. <laughs> I've seen very esteemed scientists. I saw one injecting a mouse, thankfully with placebo, and his hand hit like the tissue tissue culture, like um, plastic thing. But the syringe like backfired and went right into his chest. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy's training me. And I was like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Where it's, you know, the the point is is that yeah. that I was trying to make was Humans that Humans are flawed. Yeah, and that I think that, you know, it, it the time that people 
should have gotten mad about this potential gain of function, we'll call it research that mm-hmm. did. I, I think, again, it's my opinion. Yeah. It's very likely that it originated from a lab. Yeah. And, and it, it is terrifying to think that like, what if this had a 90% fatality oh, rate? God, it could have wiped out the planet. Like that. And I think that's kind of what people are worried about at the very beginning. Yeah, and you know, it, people should be worried about it. The media was, that's what they were selling. And I was thinking, I'm like, God, is everybody going to die from this shit? What's going well, that's on? What, oh yeah. That's but what it, I thought at first too. But Do you remember when you would like actually, wear gloves and walk yeah, across the city? I know. Like, but it actually could happen depending on what virus they're manipulating and making. It and, could. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's and not then, out of the possibility. And then the fact of the matter is then maybe things mutate on its own. And, yeah. you know, so, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the pushback, um, it's been, it's been a lot on, on the vaccines and maybe if they weren't mandated, that wouldn't have been such, it, people would have been more yeah. pushing back on the fact that this could have been. I like how you made the decision with your son. You weighed out the wit, the risks, the situation, and that's how it should be. Right. It should, it's how it should be. That's and how every, it should be. It's different. Every situation is different. And that's why people always ask me, what do you think about vaccines? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about childhood vaccines? And it's like, are you going to put your four-month-old baby? Yeah, like, because, like, kid, like viruses spread between kids like, like wildfire. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, so if you have, again, a four-month-old baby in a daycare and, like, there's something that's pretty bad spreading, mm-hmm. um, like, that's that's dangerous. Yes. So there there's the risk, right? There's the benefit, the risk. Yeah. So it's like, what's the risk of giving the young baby, you know, the DTAP? Mm-hmm. Probably not so high. It's not so high because most people do do it, right? Yeah. But there's risk. Mm-hmm. There's risk. Yeah. You know, especially with the combination of things too, right? I mean, genetics yeah. and there's all sorts of things playing a role. Diet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I know you've, uh, I think, you know, you went on Rogan and I don't know, I can't remember how it went, but I remember there was a lot of you probably got a lot of backlash, you know, I mean, and so I, but to me personally, I respect how you're able to be objective about it and be like, yes, this was my opinion at that time. And then I saw all this data and now my opinion has changed. And that's right. My opinion has changed, particularly on myocarditis. And there was a few things like with, I felt like there was what I, I don't even like this term misinformation because I feel like our government is the one that was providing the most misinformation. Right, yeah. And so now, and at the time I called it that. And now I, it's like, it's like one of those things where yeah. like, and now I hate that word, you know, where I'm like, misinformation. you know what I yeah, mean? So, yeah. um, and, but there were things like, there were some things that like, like people were saying that again, I, I just, I felt like it was not true and not accurate and there wasn't data to support it. Right. Um, and, and I was again, like, so at the time, it was a very different time. Delta, yes. Delta virus, the vaccines to some degree were preventing transmission. Mm-hmm. They were preventing severe, like, because people were getting a lot sicker. Mm-hmm. They were like older people. Yeah. P- older people, not mm-hmm. younger people. I right. Mean, there were younger people, but generally speaking, right. Exactly. So, um, you know, and now we're at a point where it's like, and it, this is with anything in policy. We're like, everything, you hold on to the old stuff. Like we're talking right. about the RDA for protein. Like we got new data, people. <laughs> yeah. Come on, let's change yeah. stuff, right? Right. You know, people are still holding on to, I really think some people are still like, oh yeah, vaccines are preventing transmission. We need to get vaccines. Probably. But they don't at all. They don't yeah. prevent transmission. And I, like, it's not that severe. COVID's not that severe. So yeah. what are they What are they doing? Right. I don't, I don't really know. Right. Um, but I do... I am kind of glad we're talking about this. I'm also a little terrified because I do think it's, <laughs> it's an emotional thing. And, you know, 
I don't think you I, should be terrified well, because I mean, you, it makes what you're saying makes sense. Yeah. And I don't want to make it like I was like so wrong again. I, I mean, it was that I was using the data that I had, which yeah. was preprint data. Mm-hmm. If you go back to August, 2021, yeah. <laughs> it was preprint data with the myocarditis. Oh, and the fertility stuff, you know, like even now you see there's, there's publications, there's no effect on fertility, but then you see all these publications where it's like, it's changing pe- women's menstrual yeah. periods. Something's happening. And I don't think we understand what. So I don't think we can say it's not affecting fertility. Yeah. I, you know, so there's, that's another part where I'm kind of following it. But again, it's like, okay, I'll, there's the data saying it doesn't. And you can find all the flaws with that data. <laughs> yeah. But when you start to see like, I mean, we're talking like 10 studies where it's like, no, women's menstrual periods. It's made women that were in menopause start menstruating again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and that was for me was wild. I'm like, what's going on? That's, right. that's strange. Now immune f- system effects do, you know, like the immune system affects all that, but like, so, um, I'm, I mean, I don't want to like make it, it's, it's again, I think that for me, I was doing the best I could with the information yeah. I had available with my personal experience. Yeah. Um, who, some who, people thought I was like paid off by the government. Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, like, look, I, you know, I, I think now, um, that I was, I was, I tried the best I could with that circumstance, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, with the myocarditis thing, it was. Yeah, the data's changed, in my opinion. And again, you'll find scientists will say, "No, it's still the same." It's, um, yeah. but it, 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 there's enough data out there that to me it was like, no, there's, it's doing something in young people that is yeah. scary. I, uh, you know, you talk about personal experience. I mean, you know. <laughs> My daughter got the vaccine because she was over at the, you know, university and or at school and everybody's like, like I say, the community you're around and you hear from influences your decision. So she's an adult. She can do what she wants. She knows how I feel about it. But anyway, she did it. All I know is one night, five in the morning, I heard something bang and I got up and went into her bathroom and she was passed out on the floor. And right after, after the vaccine, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's like, uh, we had, uh, Bob Saget, he passed out, hit his head and died. Right. So you know how bathrooms are hard counters. Anyway, point is nothing had changed in her entire life other than getting the vaccine. Everything was exactly the same, but she passed out. And I was like, I go in there. I'm like, is she dead? I didn't know what, I didn't know what happened. So I'm like trying to wake her up, trying to wake her up. So we take her to, you know, call the doctor or whatever. She came to, got her up, did everything I needed to do. And they said, oh, she's just dehydrated. It's like, (laughs) she hadn't changed anything. She's a hundred percent healthy. Nothing had changed. She hadn't like went on a long run, hadn't drank. And it was like, so for me, that was like, you talk about, you're going to be influenced by personal experience. How am I supposed to ignore that? Oh no, yeah. Like if I, if something like that happened to me, I mean, you know, it would like I, I, if if I had known someone that had an, a bad effect like yeah. that, especially a family member, mm-hmm. or a really close friend, mm-hmm. um, it it, it would have I would have thought otherwise. Yeah. It would have very much influenced, and I probably would have been looking more for. Um, in, in looking at the data, I probably would have been looking at it through a different lens than yeah. I was. I and was that, looking at it through a different lens, I, I think. I completely understand because everybody was and was hard. It's the information age. 
more than it's ever been, you can find whatever you're looking for. You can. <laughs> and so if you want to believe this one thing, you will find that. Yeah. And it's it's just like this was such a God, such a defi- de- divisive issue. Mm-hmm. But you know, for me, for anybody listening to this and listen to any you talk ever, they know how genuine you are. I mean, come on, it's just like, yeah, you at that one time you felt this way. Now you now you feel this way. Who couldn't respect that? You know what I mean? So I, I appreciate you talking about it. I know we the goal wasn't to get into that. No, because no. <laughs> <clears throat> because why I'm that's not why I'm a fan of yours. You know, because of some some hot topic issue. I'm a fan of you because <laughs> God, you're so interesting, so smart. The way you verbalize things, the way you deliver it is just so you know appealing and easy and makes sense. So that's why you're here. I mean, and I that's I appreciate what you do, and I'm just like glad that we can talk about it. It's like I I really appreciate it too. I've had a really fantastic time these last yeah. two days. I mean, yesterday was <laughs> awesome, and I really do like the the archery. Um, for me, I'm calling it archery. I know it's bow hunting, yeah. but I didn't really hunt anything. So for me, it's archery. Well, but I, know, I, it was like very much like relaxing and like the focus. It was. Yeah, like I said last meditative, night. Meditative, you know. Yeah, that's what I explained last night when we were trying to, you know, we had a, a bear 3D target. So it's a silhouette foam replica of a bear. It's actually a small bear. But so we had that out there. And like when you were, you know, going through your process, shooting process with the bow, it's brand new. But, and I said, you know, I mentioned, you can't be thinking about anything else in your life than doing this right now. And that's what's so therapeutic about shooting a bow. Okay. Well, caveat, I was thinking about how I wanted to press campaigns, but, <laughs> but <laughs> well, no, you're right. <laughs> just think of the setting too, you know, it's uh, I, and I wish I could share moments like that with everybody because it's so powerful, but we're out there a beautiful evening, the sun's setting to the West. We got the uh, ridge that's teeming with deer and elk and lions up there in the back background. We're cooking wild game on the Traeger. John and Jen are cooking us some whitetail tenderloin and we're shooting shooting arrows at it. And you're just doing so well and it's such a process and you're so focused. It's like, when I look at everything, to me, that's like the perfect evening. I mean, it was so, that's what I live for times like that. I, I kind of get it. I mean, I say kind of, cause I only did it once, but like, um, I really, enjoy, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Like I just didn't, expect like I didn't know really what to mm-hmm. expect yeah. but um I think having Wayne too like the teacher who was the herd bull super into it and just such a good teacher and <laughs> yeah just, like he was like transferring me like some of his passion for it or something you know what I mean where it's like contagious yes you're like this guy loves this oh, and then like so you're, it. yeah and mm-hmm. and so like having I think having that as well also is just it's kind of contagious. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cam loves this. this. Wayne loves this. This is like, okay, let's, let's experience it. Let's really try yeah. to like do it, you know? Yeah. So, but. Well, and then it, to end the night, remember how well you were shooting? I was, it was giving my confidence. Like I was ha- <laughs> like getting those little confidence boosters where like, maybe I didn't get it right in the lung, like where the lungs were supposed to be, but yeah. like getting it so close. Yeah. You know, it was a like a little. shots. Yeah. A couple of liver shots. It's like a small <laughs> win where it's like, oh, I could. I I'm know. like, first of all, I was like, I'm hitting the bear. Are you kidding me? Like, I didn't right. <laughs> I know. And it was out there away. So we started off and, you know, maybe a couple in the dirt, maybe a couple to the right. But then that process and you were like such a good student doing everything perfect, holding that pin there, 
pulling hard, releasing, and then in last two shots right in the lungs. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, my God. It's so, it's in power. I just loved it. I Where loved were it. those last two shots that we were doing that was not after the I popped the balloon? Yeah, it was. Was it you, close to the lung? They were both in the lung. They were in the lung? They were both perfect. Oh, I didn't get that they were in the lung. No, yeah, because remember, I shot two, you yeah, shot two. Yeah, and they were right by they yours. They were by each other. Those were all kill shots. Those were kill shots? Yes. Oh <laughs> yeah, it was. And I think because we were powered by whitetail tenderloin. Oh, man, that remember? was delicious. You know, uh, Jen was, cooked us. I told him we were going to be out there because I said, we got, you know, a big day. We got to do the mountain. We got to get our bows set up. But I said, in the evening, once a wind lays down, we're going to be out there to shoot at distance. And so John said, oh, okay, Jen has a plan. She's going to cook up a little bit of meat for, for Rhonda. That's and, you so know, nice. we, we were talking if you'd ever have wild game meat, then that led to a discussion of what's actually wild. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. naive self. See, yeah. I actually don't know everything. Right. <laughs> so, sure. she, so she was, you'd been eating elk meat, but not, of course, but wild. Not wild. you can't sell wild. And so we had that, the, the tenderloin, and then we had the grizzly, and then you were shooting just incredible and I don't think it's coincidence. I think you were like... Oh, yeah. That, it was after yeah. meat that I started shooting better. Right? See? What do you think about that? What does the science say? Well, I definitely was refueling, I think. Yeah. We know that for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I like to romanticize it a little bit more and just say, oh, yeah, it's because of that. The creatine and the, and yeah. the meat and the... Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Wayne likes to say this, too, is that um, the reason why that experience can be so empowering and then you're getting better and it's just feels if watching an arrow fly and hit he'll say that you know archery is as old as mankind it's like we've been doing this a long time so when you start to do it even if you hadn't done it it feels familiar because it's in us yeah I don't interesting know. that's that's you know, there'd be no data to to support that but that's what I believe yeah well I mean <laughs> I'll let you have it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, I couldn't believe also, it's just like how strong you were. I mean, I, I think people are going to be, they're so used to being, you being smart and just like so well-spoken and articulate, but then you were a fucking beast also. I mean, just powering those weights up, your arms are tone strong. We're always a showing when I had them. Hell had yeah, them. <laughs> it was. Hell yeah. No, it was, it's going to be probably... I don't know what you shared so much on, on social, but probably not stuff like this. Have you? Mm -mm. No. And oh, we jump rope too. Remember? No, of course I do. <laughs> yeah. You're out there jumping rope. We got that. It's like, you know, people are going to see a whole fun. new side of Dr. Rhonda Patrick. I mean, it was a fun time. I, I, I appreciate you, uh, uh, you hosting and, and, and giving me that experience, Cam. I would, I never would have done any of that, you know? Yeah. You know, lifting the 35, was it 35? 35. I don't think I've ever would have done that. There's no personal trainer that would have, you know, done that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, maybe, no. maybe so there is, but like, yeah. I'm not sure that I would have sought them out. Yeah. Right, right. Or be in this, I think it's also, it's uh, what I've seen this many times. Mindset. But it's the, but it's the overall, like I'm going into this and I know it's going to be challenging because of, you know, either you see what I do and you're like, okay, so then you're in a different place than when you normally go to a gym. You're like, this is a big day. I got to be, you know, I'm going to have to do more than I've ever done. So people come in with that attitude mm -hmm. and it, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, I, I, 
I, I'm you know? totally like that. That's yeah. my, my personality type for sure. Well, and you, so it, it came to fruition. It happened. Yeah. You were stronger than you've ever been. You got up a mountain in the heat of the day. Well, and, I mean, I was got, doing that because I was here with you. I so, know, I mean, it, like, it is very like motivating. You and know? you got up on the monument. And it's like, how beautiful was that? Oh man, that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. I mean, I'm so impressed that you run that. And I mean, <laughs> that's, it, it's really, it, it's really a lot. Like it's very inspiring too. Like I follow your Instagram and all your, your, and, you know, and training that you do all the different types of training. Like you post a lot of running, but you do like the weight, the weight yeah. training and stuff. And like, I'm just like, he's just like, I'm sitting here going, how am I going to like work out for 20 minutes? And look at this guy. Like, he's like, oh, you did. Amazing. I mean, you know, so what would you um what's your thoughts on hunting i never knew I, I, you know have you been around hunting before and now is it different not did really you, i did mean did you I'm learn a, anything um you know so i think thinking so i've never really been around hunting like mm -hmm. i eat meat mm -hmm. so for me it's not like i know the meat comes from an animal that is no longer alive you look so, at it more of like what's this meat offering my body kind i do of, right like yeah. nutritionally yeah. and um so that that's definitely more how i look at it so uh it's a very different perspective i like like being able to like go and and you're the one providing for your family and sharing with others i mean jen and john were talking about sharing with like people that are in need like, yeah like that was really, that's incredible. Like that's sort of, that's incredible, right? Um, I go and buy my meat from like the farmer's market or the mm -hmm. grocery store or I Instacart it. That's what most people you know? do. Yeah. So it's, a. am very removed from that, that whole process. Right. And I don't know that I can speak to it. Like I saw your video with the, with the bear, and, yeah. but like, I don't, without experiencing it, like yeah. I, there's no way I could understand what it's like to kill um, an animal. Yeah, yeah. And then to provide mm -hmm. for your family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's not like I'm not, I'm indirectly responsible for that, you know, that animal dying because I'm buying meat and there's mm -hmm. a demand for that meat. Right. Like I'm, I'm eating it because I, it's beneficial. Like it's a very high quality source of protein. It's got a high quality iron that's bioavailable and zinc and B vitamins. Um, and I'm, I'm not sedentary and unhealthy. So it's, you know, it's not like a bad thing for me. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, it's not like I don't eat the meat. Mm -hmm. Right. So what, wh why would I have a problem with hunting? Yeah. Um, you know, but right. it is, it, it's, I'm interested in it mm -hmm. because now like doing the whole, um, the, the archery experience with the compound bow and like, like I, it's cool. Like I see like, you know, it was like, fun doing it and also like therapeutic where it was, you know, so you practice this thing and then you go and you use that amazing skill that you practice to like provide for your family. Yeah. Um, and so like, again, I can't relate, but I'm like <laughs> trying to put it together. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I appreciate people that give me and my family meat. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Know? Well, hunters love to do it. And that how is in the show like this, um, with your brand new bow, because you're kidding. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is your bow, but this you are the ultimate outlier, and w outliers get their own equipment. So oh my gosh, yeah, I get this bow. Yeah, you didn't know you got to take this. No, home? I had no idea. <laughs> well, I'll send it to you because your your bag's already full. But no, this is yours. Everything, all the arrows and the arrows. Yeah, oh, and the so release. I can like yeah, practice and yeah, do. Yeah, oh, that's so yeah. cool. So you you have you're an archer. 
you have your own bow. That is this. Yes. Cause I know what to do. Like this is, yeah. what about the release thing? Yeah. That Every, too. Okay. Everything, everything, oh, whatever man. you need. You're an archer now. And uh, that's how I end the show. That's your bow. Thank you so much for coming all the way here to Springfield, Oregon. It's, uh, you know, I never anticipated I'd get somebody of your stature to come here and, and I could share my life with you. It's like, I mean, it means so much to me, Rhonda. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like, I can't thank you enough. Like, it's been a great experience. Oh, and man. and now I get it. Like, I had no idea I, I get to, like, <laughs> practice this. And, like, like, I'm excited to share it with. So I have to get, like, we'll have to figure out um, where my husband can get one of these. Because, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Wayne was telling me of some places where we can shoot in San Diego. Yeah. Performance archery. Right. Yeah. Okay. Bob, Bob Fromm shop. He's the best. Awesome. He's, you know, he, him and Wayne are from the same cloth. Okay. Well, I want to say thank you, then come give you a big hug. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's do it. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. It's time to gear up for summer at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Time for trips to the lake, stories around the campfire, and memories with friends and family. Shop Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's for everything you need to enjoy your summer. Save on top brands like Ascend Clothing and Camping Gear and Johnny Morris Rods and Reels. And don't forget great products like Cabela's Polar Cap Coolers and Pro Series Grills. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, your adventure starts here. Shop in-store or online.